We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macker, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you at a little bit of an abnormal time. We're dropping this episode uh, late in the afternoon, early in the evening on uh, what day is today is Tuesday. Uh, so uh, free agency is set to kick off about 49 hours from now. I think I'm pretty sure something along those lines. Um, why are we dropping it early? Because news is dropping uh, fast and furious, and we want to make sure that nothing that was said uh, today with today's guest, Fred Katz, the one and only Fred Katz of The Athletic, who is kind enough to join us at this point on about a monthly basis. Um, we want to make sure that that stays relevant and uh, nothing becomes irrelevant because, you know, nobody needs irrelevant podcasts. Um, to that end, uh, I should share a couple of tweets that just dropped. Um, first and foremost, give credit to uh, Mark Stein, who writes great newsletter on Substack, um, who wrote that there is growing resignation in Dallas. Sources say that the Knicks are indeed Brunson's top choice and his inevitable destination. And then li literally one minute as I'm recording this, this dropped one minute ago. It is widely anticipated that Jalen Brunson will go to the Knicks on a four-year deal in excess of $100 million. It remains to be seen how New York will clear the rest of the necessary cap space and whether the Cavs can work a sign-and-trade to recoup assets. Andrew is shaking his head. I'm not even like, yay, we got Jalen Brunson. Just I, I know if you're not religious out there, whatever, but look at God. We just decided to throw up a podcast last minute, or at least ASAP, I should say, and as we're recording an intro, this tweet goes out. Look at that timing. It's perfect. So wait a minute. I mean, 
widely anticipated that Jalen Brunson will go to the Knicks on a four-year deal in excess of what. So this was not intended to be no. he getting on here and no. reacting to breaking news. This was Andrew texting me. Hey, I want to post the pod now. Can you jump on and record an intro? So I'll go a step further. Jeremy texted me. So we recorded with Fred earlier and John went and was a dad for a while. I edited the pod and then jumped in the shower. When I got out, Jeremy had texted me and said, hey, great job. Like, great idea posting the thing on YouTube right away. And I was like, we should probably post the pod, too. And then I texted John. And here we are recording this intro. And in the intro... It looks like we're getting a hint of confirmation. So widely anticipated that Jalen Brunson would go to the Knicks. And then immediately jumping to remains to be seen whether the Mavs can work a sign and trade to recoup assets. Mm. That sounds to me. There's, there's two ways one of these tweets can go at this point before it becomes official. One is it's a tweet that is hedging enough that you're not sure if the thing at which it, which it is reporting is actually definitely going to happen or because we are still, as I opened with 48 hours from the start of free agency worded in such a way that it doesn't make it look obvious that chicanery has ensued. <laughs> I think this is the latter. I think so too. And I think the, what's it called? The, Important thing to tell anybody that's not familiar with the work of Mark Stein, the work of Tim McMahon, aside from them being notable national ESPN columnists, or I guess former ESPN columnist Mark Stein, that's now from the New York Times, is that both of them are rooted in Dallas. So oh, anything yes. very, 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 they're very reporting so. is coming from Dallas as a as a solid thing, you know? So Yeah. And I, you know, and I wrote in newsletter, which dropped at 5 a.m. And, and credit to Ian Bagley. He beat me to, I mean, it's fucking Ian Bagley. Of course mm-hmm. he beat me to this, but Ian Bagley, after I went to sleep, posted a piece on SNY at about 10 to one in the morning, um, which said essentially the same thing that I had wrote before I went to bed, which is that people within the organization were projecting confidence that they were going to get Brunson. Um, and I undersold that because I had to, because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, um, so what it, you're saying is we heard it here first from Jonathan Macri. Well, no, what I'm saying is that there have been people that have been within the organization that have been feeling this way since the night of the draft. And I'm not going to give someone else the credit, but there's someone else who uh, appears on this podcast frequently who <laughs> I think was someone reached out to him even earlier than I had any idea that they felt confident that they were getting. I think we can confidently not report, but just say that. And this is like, we're, we're content creators here. We are not reporters, but our collective circle had heard that this was happening. But again, it it, it hasn't happened yet, but it, but it's it's not, it's not because we're sorry. I I, I know you hate when I put us down. It's not because we're special. It's because we're out there. I'm literally just saying that this is something that has been out there, as you're saying, and that's, you know, if some if it gets this high up the chain, it's more a confirmation of what we've heard rather than, you know, oh, breaking news. This is a surprise. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's like I I, usually this would be the time where I would go into a like, this is a massive deal and this and that. I I I feel like because it's been so expected, I don't really have. A whole lot else to say. I guess I should. I guess I should say something, which is that, like, look, 
here's my you want my gut reaction. This is my gut reaction to this. On one hand, you know, as I've said on this podcast and on live streams and in newsletters, if they couldn't get this, if this they had to get yeah. this fucking guy. Yeah, this guy. If they couldn't get this guy, it's like don't like, don't even bother to hand in your resignation. Just like leave. <laughs> just like. T- Walk out of the at, of Tupan Plaza and just uh-huh. leave your keys with the with the security guards. I because you shouldn't even have the gall to face James Dolan to say that you're quitting if you couldn't get this guy. This would have been like if and I'm sorry to use another religious analogy, but like if you were looking for a church and like my dad couldn't get you to go to his church. Meanwhile, you know me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like or like or like I'm running. He, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm I'm running a charity for some cause, right? And, and like you as my friend, like no, I actually I'm gonna go donate to this other charity. I'm gonna go to not this other cause. church that has Claudio's dad's you know name on it, you know. So I just this is this is his first big get, whatever. And I guess well, no. unless you want to say Evan Fournier, but no, it's no. okay. But, so then yes, this is his first. This legitimate is his, free well, and, and like look, and the cynic out there, and there's a little bit of cynic in me as I say this might point out like, well, Evan Fournier is probably a 12 or $13 million player that got $18 million a year. And Jalen Brunson is probably an 18 or $20 million player that is going to get a 25 or $26 million a year. It's not the same. It's not the same because if you're going to overpay, mm-hmm. overpay for the guy that can be one of your top two usage guys on a pretty good team. And like, look, it's, 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 Tough to analyze because he was technically the second highest usage team on a a guy on a team that went to the Western Conference Finals and like kind of sort of pushed the Suns a little bit with Luka Doncic running out of gas. At the same time, it's Luka Doncic, and it's not quite that simple because Dinwiddie did a lot of heavy lifting there, and it was like just a perfectly built team. Um, the the what did I say? The Suns to uh, push the Suns, push the yeah. Warriors, and you push the, the yeah the Warriors. They beat but, the Suns. They yeah. they pushed the Warriors a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a this is a big deal, and you know this is going to be the most money, free agent money ever handed out to a, a, a Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to surpass the Randall contract. The Randall contract, the Randall extension is four for one hundred six. Remains to be seen. Mm. Um, it's a big deal. I know this is the guy they had to get, and I know, of course, they should have gotten him. But this is a moment, regardless of if you think Jalen Brunson is. Just the worst thing in the world. Well, if you think he's the worst player in the world, then you're probably not happy right now. But like, if you root for the Knicks, I think you should be happy about the fact that, like, look, this is the guy they wanted. This is the guy they got. How often have we been able to say that? And like, even if you're an objective observer that's a little bit lower on Jalen Brunson than consensus, and you think in a perfect world he's probably getting paid like $16 million, something like that, which is about the lowest I would reasonably think anybody could think he should be getting paid. Let's say 16, 18. Um, like you look at this and be like, okay, you know, good job by them. Now, what comes next? The additional moves they need to make, all that stuff remains to be seen. So three That's things. Um, yes. as far as Evan Fournier not being worth what his contract was, what did Duncan Robinson get? Duncan Robinson got five for 90. He got 18 a year. So he got what a million more per year? 
than than Duncan Robinson or was for, no was Fournier it, got the got the Duncan Robinson contract. So it's the same amount of money. Same amount of money. Okay. Yeah. I guess my my thought is like they do similar things. Duncan Robinson was better at it last year, but I never I Two thought years ago, Fournier, really. You could, argue, you could argue that Fournier was better than Duncan Robinson last year. Well, I, I mean, just look at who got benched in the playoffs. Like, obviously, who didn't make the playoffs, but like, I think Fournier for but what even from an efficiency. To, anyway, what's your point? My point being, I just I don't look at that contract as as bad as people say. He's actually it's a very a, efficient shooter at what he does, which yeah. is a league that's moving further and further away from the rim and toward the three point line. He's a guy that you want on your team. Andrew, um, he he made more three pointers than anybody in basketball from January or first on, and he did it at a forty percent clip, fairly high degree of difficulty. And he's getting paid eighteen a year. I know? agree. I agree. I'm I'm saying this. It, you're basically making my point. That yes, I don't think Fournier sorry. is as bad of a deal as some Knicks fans might posture. Um, as far as Jalen Brunson is concerned, the Knicks would be better next year. Now, if you wanted them to be worse next year, because when Banyama is out there and there's other highly touted prospects in next year's draft, that is your prerogative. That is a path the Knicks could have taken. They are not taking that path. They're going to try and get better like the Nets did in 2019, like the Clippers did in 2019, and then try to add somebody big next summer. That is another path that has been proven to be successful, especially for a team in a big market. And then the last thing is just, you. what do you make of this Evan Sidieri report about Randall? I know Fred's about to tell us some things he's heard about Julius Randall, but what do you make of that? Julius Randall's an interesting name to look at. I think I will believe that Julius Randall gets moved when I see it. I agree. Because I did have something in your newsletter today that Oh, well, I can say that. I mean, yeah. again, I and this is it's I had a note in the newsletter today, which but really if you if you want my extended thoughts on this, go back and read Monday's newsletter, which is free for anybody to read. Just go look at the Substack link in my in my Twitter bio. Um the Mavs are now in a fascinating situation in that if indeed this report is true and Brunson has decided he wanted to go to the Knicks, wants to go to the Knicks, uh beggars can't be choosers. So the Mavs kind of have to operate with like, all right. What is the best chance for us to move forward from here, given the options that we have? And they may decide that the best option is let's just create the biggest traded player exception and we'll give up some second round picks for the right to do that. Or we, or we eliminate the protections on next year's pick for the right to get that traded player exception. Maybe they want Alec Burks. Maybe like there's all these different things. But I don't think it's insane to think that they could look at Julius Randle and say, look, there's all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't want him. Those have been well documented. But Maybe we rehab him here. Maybe we then flip him in a year. And the comparison point that I made, and this is what I wrote about, shout out Zach Lowe for penning this piece uh, a few weeks back, is the D'Lo Golden State Warriors uh, signing trade when Durant decided he wanted to go to Brooklyn. Now, the thing that you're referring to is I had heard from someone who spoke to someone with very intimate knowledge of uh, Dallas's opinion of, of Julius Randall. And they basically call it like, like it is. They're not under any misgivings about what he is. He's a, you know, occasionally bad defender with low efficiency that needs the ball in his hand. That said, the same person who relayed this to me also said, I don't think they're completely out on the idea. So we'll see. Now that would require some other cat mechanics. It would require dumping another salary. And my, I would guess it would require, um, moving, um, my God, what's the center's name? Dwight Powell mm-hmm. um, to another team. Theoretically, that team he, he could end up with the Knicks, but I, I, why would they want him? Uh, so a lot would need to happen for Randall to be involved in a sign and trade. But again, at this point, I wouldn't rule anything out. That's all. Could you imagine if? Oh my God! For the second time in 
four years, the Knicks traded a Maverick to the Mavericks, a moody power forward that will probably clash with Luka Doncic. And we'll find we'll find out soon enough. Okay. Um I uh this has been crazy. This has been fun. <laughs> um I have to go as my wife gave me the death stare of all death stares a minute ago. It was, it was my job to watch the children during this time. I'm like, you know what? Let me hop on 60 second intro in and out. She's never be none the wiser. Nope. No, that's as fate would have it. I'll even do the outro. Don't worry. All right. Uh, here's Fred Katz. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, our favorite person who comes on here that does this for a living um, because he's very good at what he does. Just had a banger of a story drop that I'm excited to pick his brain on. Um, aggregators love him. They really do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he is, uh, of course, the one and only Fred Katz of The Athletic. Hello, sir. What's up, man? Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. You keep coming back for more. I keep coming back. Um, how are you? I'm lovely. I'm just, you know, last week was exhausting with the draft. Like, you're just kind of always on the phone talking to people and trying to figure out what in the world's going on with, with the league. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then we got free agency coming up in a couple of days. We got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. Um, so here's what, let's, let's start here because you, you had two pieces come out in the last handful of days. One, um, processing somehow everything that the Knicks did on draft night. Uh, I'm sure that was a fun one to write. I was, I, 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 had my own challenge. I wrote, I wrote that piece at, I filed that piece at six in the morning. Jesus Christ. I actually, that's my fault. I actually, I got back from the draft so late. I didn't write at the draft because I, I was like, I'm not going to write until we know exactly what the details of the trade are. Smart. smart. Which, no, honestly, not smart. Totally could have started writing. But when, when you work, you know, if you work for a newspaper, you have a deadline and stuff and it kind of forces you to hone down. And I have the worst attention span of all time. So when I don't have that forced deadline. I'm like, I'll put it off. So I went out at 2.15 in the morning, got a bacon, egg and cheese from a deli. And I was like, I'll come back. I'll start writing at, at, at 2.30. And that was what uh, I did. I think I was actually asleep at, by 2.30. I think that's when I uh, set set the set the whatever, the, the newsletter for, for sending at 5 a.m. Um, whatever. We, we both did our, our thing. Um, and uh, you, that's one piece you wrote. And then the other piece that you wrote it's about RJ Barrett and about his extension um, discussions that uh, I'm sure will take place this summer. They probably have already taken place. Um, and, and what number that a, a player who I think I don't, you describe him very well as a guy who clearly deserves a lot of money, but when you compare him to the, to the sorts of players that get max extensions, He's just, he's not in, in that category. And we've talked about this before. We'll touch on it again. And I, I found it interesting as I was reading, rereading both of those as preparing for you to come on, because to me, this all kind of goes into the same boat of, of like, what are the Knicks doing? Where are they? What is their idea? It, it's, they're one of the teams in the NBA that does not have a star and they would like to get one. And then they have RJ Barrett over here and he is like the closest thing they arguably have to one. And then they did what they're doing on draft night. 
you know, trying to move up for Ivy, you reported that you were in your informed opinion, they did not get close. I'm inclined to believe you. Um, but they also got all these picks. And then are they trying to use those picks to trade for a star down the line? I mean, can we just start there? Like in your opinion, where do what do you think the Knicks at this point on whatever the hell today is June 28th? Like, what is their mindset? What do you think that their plan is? So it's funny. I just went on Seth Partnow's podcast and he asked me the same question to start off. See, Seth's literally smart. the first. We like yeah. Yep. And and I said, like, I, I think in the grander scheme of things, like we saw last year, they were going to put together these these tradable pieces. Yeah. Uh, or, or what they thought were tradable pieces. And, and that way they were in a position where they had, you know, a surplus of draft capital. They had all their own first round picks, all their own second round picks. They had Dallas's first round pick. They had a bunch, you know, plus eight on second round picks. Now they're now they're plus four on first round picks, plus four on second round picks, which is which is really even better moving mm-hmm. forward. And they still have all of their own firsts. Uh, but as we've moved forward, you know, it looked like they were putting themselves in a position to trade for a star, kind of do the the Nets model where you end up getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, or the Clippers model where you kind of remain competitive in the, those big markets. And then a star yes. eventually says, I want to come here. It's, it's an extremely privileged strategy, but if you acknowledge that you have privilege, you can do it. There are only like four cities in the league that could even justify trying to pull that off. Right. Like it's like New York, you, LA, Miami. I was about to and, say, yeah, I guess that's it. Maybe. I mean, look, historically, Boston never really signed free agents, but then Hayward signed there and Al Horford signed there. And like maybe Boston with its history and the fact that they're the Celtics, like I think they could do it. Sure. Yeah, I guess. If Boston did it, we wouldn't be like, that's wild that the Boston Celtics are trying this. It would it would make sense either way. It's a it's a privileged strategy that you're trying to do now. Now we get to. The, sorry, yeah. on the Boston part, I I went through this last night because I was looking at if if they get Brunson and what they sign him for, and the doubt and the Mavs get nothing. Three of the five highest contracts in NBA history in terms of ones that were uh, a, a free agent switch teams and not in a sign and trade. Like so, the the team that they left got nothing back. Have been um, involved. Well, one of the two of them were Celtics, Harford and Hayward. Another one was when Har- Harford left the Celtics to go to the Sixers. Maybe that's not the best example. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in there. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yes. And your wonderful producer, Andrew, just reminded me that they also got Knicks legend, Kemba Walker. So, <laughs> so that's another one. They signed Kemba to a max deal as well. So, so they, they, it was funny. Everybody used to say like, yeah, but no one wants to sign with Boston for some reason. And then they just rattled off big time free agents yeah. over and over and over again. Um, that being said, I think the greater plan still probably remains that. I think that probably has a lot to do with why they, for example, traded uh, you know, one first round pick for three on draft night. Obviously, that had a lot to do with dropping Kemba Walker, getting off of his money, getting off the money of the number 11 pick, and opening up what will now be $16 million of room if they waive Taj Gibson and getting basically one player away from a legitimate Jalen Brunson offer. Obviously, that was a big part of it too. But I think them, when people talk about the the can kicking of first round picks, I think a big part of that is like, their ability to potentially accumulate a bunch of first round picks in some sort of star trade. That being said, that's on the grand, grand macro scale. Yeah. On, on more of not even like a micro scale, 
But just like a generally moving forward scale, I can't say that with total confidence. Like I don't all the way know because if you scramble to give Jalen Brunson $25 million and you bring back Mitchell Robinson for say 12, which I think is a normal number for him, right? It's on a long-term deal. And you, let's say you don't even extend RJ Barrett. Let's say he's just a free agent. You have his $27 million cap hold. They've talked so much. I mean, I, I shouldn't say so much, but on the rare occasions that they I'm have about talked, to say, what, what franchise are you, are you covering? <laughs> covering a different franchise? We've talked about it. On the rare occasions that they've talked and the rare statements they've put out, they've talked about maintaining flexibility. Yeah. And you don't care about maintaining flexibility for 2026 because if no. you maintain flexibility for 2026, you're not going to have a job by the time <laughs> that flexibility comes around. Someone will the have implication has always been flexibility for 2023. And if you pay Brunson long term, let's say a $25 million salary in 23, 24, you still have Randall on the books, you still have Fournier on the books, you have manual quickly extension eligible, you have Obi Toppin extension eligible, uh, and then you have you have you have all these numbers on the books. You re-sign Mitchell Robinson. You have RJ's, whatever's happening with RJ. Like you're over the cap in 2023. Yep. You're kind of doing the same scramble that you're doing right now to try to get under. And it's possible that you just package Jalen Brunson and an expiring contract for, you know, and 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 five first round picks for a star. That's possible. But it's also possible. I mean, it's not like people are are talking about how oh if the Knicks can get Jalen Brunson for twenty six million dollars a year then that's that's one heck of a tradable deal and and you tend to the original plan was let's make sure these are expirings because that's generally not always but generally what gets you a star you're not getting Jalen Brunson for anything less than four years in this scenario so it's just like I'm not totally sure what the whole thing is I don't I don't necessarily it, it's definitely to remain competitive. Yep. It's, or I shouldn't say remain. It's to get competitive and then stay competitive. It's definitely to to get a surplus of draft picks. Um, but I, I don't see really. I can't predict exactly where it's going. And uh, you know, it's not like they've kind of laid out a plan for what their long term objectives are, even in the vaguest of ways. Uh, yeah. No. Then no, they have not. I, I mean. I I don't think it's unfair to say remain competitive. Something I did not think I'd I'd be saying on here because like yeah they were thirty seven to forty five. They had a roughly a, a even net, not an even net rating, but they had like I don't know it was within a point of of being even. It's like they weren't abjectly terrible, which we've seen abjectly terrible. No, they teams. weren't terrible. They were top half of the league in defense. Yeah, and they, yeah, I think they finished pretty close to the top ten, or um, it, you know, and the year before that obviously was the you know, the, the, we hear year. Um, so it's like, they have been competitive under Leon Rose. And I guess the one, the one, I don't know if I disagree with you on this, but to me, I don't, I didn't ever got the sense that they were planning on having cap space in 2023. For me, the flexibility was always like, but it's, well, it's basically just like you said, it's to, to trade for that star. Like, cause I, like, even if you look at the, we don't have to go to the, the free agent market next year, but like, there's not, there's not any obvious candidate, right. That, that they, you would think that they'd be going after. I, I, I don't know who it would be. I mean, yeah, the I name, don't... the name we heard for a long time was Dame. The name we heard for a long time was was uh, Donovan Mitchell. But, yeah, but those, those are all, all by a trade. 
you know. Yes, yes. That's my that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, and then and then we could turn back to where they're at right now and what they're doing. And like I was really critical of them going into the draft. And like on draft night, I was like, whatever, it is what it is. I I can't even be that mad with how they have approached this offseason thus far and how we assume that they will continue to approach this offseason. And again, I'm going under the assumption that they are going to sign Jalen Brunson. That has not been reported yet. Nobody can confirm that yet. At this point, I'd be surprised if that were not the ultimate outcome a few days from now. And I expect the number to be at least $100 million, if not a little bit more. As you said, that's a ton of money and it's not necessarily a tradable contract. But I guess I'm sitting here. I'm like, well, what's the alternative for them to do now? And that gets us a little bit more into a conversation about what they can do if they potentially wanted to get worse instead of get better. To, but to me, the, the finger pointing shouldn't be about what they're doing. And this is not to absolve them. I'm going to get to that in a sec. The finger pointing should not be to what they're doing right now. The finger pointing should be, honestly, maybe not even last summer because they were coming off that great year. I don't think it was unreasonable to try to like take another step up and see where that got you. To me, it was like early on in the Leon Rose regime. When they started out, they were an under 500 team through 25 games of the first season under Tibbs. They were 11 and 14. Randall was doing great. They were close enough to a tank. They could have flipped Randall. They could have traded or not traded for Rose. They could have finished with like, you know, 28 or 30 wins or, so, or less fewer wins uh, ahead of a great draft. They didn't do that. To me, if you're going to be critical of this regime, that is like the point where you look toward and then we would have never gotten that, that, you know, what many people, including uh, my producer here, think is the best year of, the, of Knicks basketball in the last 20 years. So I, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I think the, I think the biggest issue was the, just the misestimation on what those contracts they gave out were last year. I mean, because I, I honestly don't think it's a hindsight thing. Like when you, when they gave out Noel was two years for Noel. Yeah, it's like it was- nobody thought that was a good. I mean, I wasn't covering the Knicks yet. I was still covering the Wizards. But when that happened, and look, I have a bias against giving finishing non-shooting centers like mid-level and above. I yeah. just. I just think the opportunity cost is not worthwhile when you can give JaVale McGee the biannual exception. It's just not, it's not worth it to give multiple guaranteed years when you can find Jericho Sims with the 58th pick or just like bring back Taj Gibson. Like it's just, which it's they did just not. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and, and he was also extremely redundant with Gibson and Mitchell Robinson. Like if Mitchell Robinson gets schemed out of a game, Nerlens Noel is going to get schemed out of the same game. Like it's, it's, there was no, there were no complimentary traits there. So I just, I was never a fan of that. I mean, when they signed the Fournier deal, look, the, the Knicks kind of self-admitted with their own actions that the Fournier deal was bad upon them signing it. Because Evan Fournier last year was not anything other than Evan Fournier. He did not disappoint last year. He had the best three-point shooting season of his career. He basically offensively played like Evan Fournier. If you look at the the way he was used stylistically in Orlando and that kind of stuff, like, like he was putting the ball on the floor more, he was driving, he was running some more pick and rolls, all that kind of stuff. But that's on the Knicks, not on Evan Fournier. That's on how the Knicks chose to use him. Uh, he had a totally defensively, he was Evan Fournier. Like everything about him was Evan Fournier. And yet come the trade deadline and come this summer, they're like, we should see if we can get off of the Fournier money. It's like, you thought he was worth that last year. You don't this year. It's because you, you misevaluated Evan Fournier at the time you gave out the contract. So, so like, 
I think a lot of the deals they gave out last summer, I think the justification internally was that they would be tradable deals. And now yeah. with a lot of them, as we saw with, for example, Kemba, which was honestly one I was fine with at the time, uh, that that the worst possible situation happened yep. with Kemba. But it's still a miss. It, it's it's still just a miss, you know. And that's a deal you thought oh, it's only nine million. It's going to be tradable. Now they can't give it away. They have to attach the thirteenth pick and or the four second rounders or thirteenth pick or whatever you want to call it, it in order yeah. to get off of it. Uh, and 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 so it's like, you know, that's that that is a misevaluation of talent and a, and a misuse of roster development, which I think has hampered them now that they want Jalen Brunson. So I, I don't I don't disagree with one word that you said. I, I guess the reason I'm focusing on a, like a year or close to a year before that is because to me, the opportunity cost of the decisions that you're talking about, in my mind at least, is smaller than what would have been a more significant organizational pivot. Because that's why I, I started talking about like this quest for a star. Because that's really if you don't have a star in the NBA, then that, what the hell are you doing? That's the only thing you have to be worried about is how are we going to obtain one of those? And like that is not something that anything they would have done last summer, I don't think could have got them closer to the time to do that was, was earlier. And again, to pivot towards a better pick to me, they thought last summer that if they sign these guys to this money, they were just going to become a better basketball team than they were the previous year. I think that was where the miscalculation is. And what do we see all the time? Teams will spend more money on players than those players are probably worse if they, but the the end goal for those teams usually is like they are competing for a championship. We knew the Knicks were not going to be competing for a championship last year. And maybe that's the, the better phrasing of the miscalculation. I don't know. But either way, as you're, as you say, it was a miscalculation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And to be clear, by the way, I don't know they're getting Brunson. He could go back to Dallas. I mean, Mar- Mark Cuban comes out at the end of the year and is like, we're paying him. Like he, he could go back to Dallas. Dallas, it's not like Dallas is hampered and can only offer him a certain number. Like yep. the Knicks could offer him 25 and Dallas could say, all right, fine. Here's 26. Done. We don't have a state tax here. So come back here and you can. You know, you just went to a Western Conference final and we're investing in you and come on back. So and he, maybe he chooses that. I mean, I, I don't know how Brunson's going to think. I, I will say part of running an NBA team and part of the reason that, that Le- people talked about Leon Rose being a valuable hire at the time they hired him was you got to have intel. Yeah. It is so unbelievably important to have that sort of intel. Like um, people talk about teams building out their pro personnel scouting department. It used to be that like scouts would look at guys who were going to be in the draft and, and they didn't really have pro personnel scouts. I mean, there was like, uh, you know, there were like the old school GMs were like, we don't need pro personnel scouts. I'm a pro personnel scout. You know, I can, I can look at Damian Lillard and be like, I know if he's good enough to give up a bunch of picks for it or not. And that is completely true. But the job of pro personnel scouts is not, Hey, this guy has really good footwork in the pick and roll, as it is with maybe an amateur scout that is doing work for the draft. The job of the pro personnel scout is to know everything about that person, is basically to be an investigative journalist, to be a detective and figure out like what makes this guy tick. Will he work with us? Would he want to come over to us when he's a free agent? All those sorts of things. 
the Knicks have the greatest line of intel you could possibly have to a player in Jalen Brunson. Yeah. They they can't mess up this intel if nope. that's the guy they're really targeting, which no. everybody, myself included, believes it is. And I, and I, uh, I will I'll say right now, I don't want to hear word one about if they don't get Brunson and they wind up. I mean, unless it's for some like a better player. I don't I don't want to hear boo about, oh, it's fine. We, you know, we we pivoted into you know Brogdon, which was always a plan B. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. If this is if if Leon Rose was not brought here to do this with this guy, especially he was like, we're, we're not even talking about Donovan Mitchell or whoever else you want to say, Joel Embiid or any other, you know, uh, Devin Booker or some former CAA client. We're talking about Jalen Brunson, like with all the connections, as you said, if you can't, if the intel isn't there on this, then I don't know what the difference is between him and Steve Mills, to be to be quite honest. Um, uh, yeah. Can I ask you a question about Brogdon, sure. though? Yeah. Can his dad can his dad coach? Is is uh, or maybe we should be talking about who who is his agent and does his agent have any uh, you know? Make sure you write the fir- the, the correct first name on the on the commission check. Um, you brought up Jalen Brunson. Uh, let's talk about him for a second. I, I'm a fan of Jalen Brunson. I think, and again, from my vantage point, at least as a as a fan who wants to see the team eventually win a championship, I have no problem with them overpaying him this summer because I think he's a good player. I think he's a good fit here from a personality and like how he seems to go about his business standpoint. Basketball wise, I, I mean, I, I think I, I I don't want this to come up because he's not, I don't think he's a product of Luca. I think we've, we've, he's proven that he's not. My issue is that him on a team with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, two guys who obviously have their issues um, in terms of uh, perimeter shooting Barrett strictly um, off the dribble. I mean, he was a good spot up threat a year ago. Uh, That's the part to me that is a little dicey because in Dallas, put Luca aside when Brunson was out there on the court at most, he had one non-shooter out there with him. And oftentimes he had no non-shooters out there in the playoffs. I think 60% of his minutes were with a five that could stretch, which with uh, Kleber or even occasionally like Dorian Finney Smith was playing the five. Uh, the Knicks do not have a stretch five. And uh, until someone proves otherwise, they don't have a stretch four uh, unless it's Toppins flashes late. But again, Toppins not going to get minutes until you know who is no longer here. So um, I will ask you, uh, Julius Randle, do you have any thoughts on him? And uh, we've, I know we've talked about him before, where where the organization might be at on him moving forward. Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine he's going to start the year with them next year. I haven't heard like anything real about them. Like, look, I was I was on Seth Partnow's podcast earlier and I was I was talking about how they they've done their due diligence. They spent leading up to the trade deadline, the rest of the season, and these weeks leading up to the draft, just kind of canvassing the market, trying to find out, okay, what are these guys worth? And before, like for example, they've they definitely with some teams have entered actual negotiations with Alec Burks. I don't know if they've come like close on anything, but there has been like stuff discussed, you know. Oh, I like that. And then the other team's like, well, we like that. And then they're like, well, we like that. And so, okay. so to me, that's, that's an actual negotiation. 
I don't know if there's anything that's been close or imminent or anything like that, but like they've negotiated with Alec Burks. Other guys, they've just kind of called on before you even get to the negotiation standpoint, you call every team in the league and you try to figure out like, what is the general consensus? Hey, if Evan Fournier becomes available, Hey, if Nerlens Noel becomes available, that's another guy who they've called around about a lot. Nerlens Noel becomes available. You know, what's the, what do you think he's worth? Would you guys, or just, would you guys be interested? Is that normal? Is that, this is what most teams do. I just want to make this clear for everybody. Correct. Okay. Totally. Totally. Nothing exceptional. I think, uh, they have an idea of Julius Randall's market, but I think that's normal. Uh, and I think their best play, because I don't think there is very much of a market. I think their best play is to just rehab his value. And I, I think the, the look, so much stuff goes down between now and free agency and the rest of the summer and whatnot. So things can change real quick. But, but I think their best play is to be able to bring him back. He's got four years and at least $106 million left on that deal. And I think their best play is, is bring him back and, and just try to rehab the value. Part of the problem with Randall and I've spoken about him with like, you know, I was talking about him with, with another coach, not Nick's, not Nick's coach, not that long ago. And like the view on Randall is like, he's just not a guy who's going to fit into the ecosystem after the way that he played last year. And it's not necessarily that he's like, it's not necessarily a, Oh, we can't shoot or, Oh, we didn't defend. Well, it's a, well, if we have him, he's going to disrupt stuff. He's going to start doing the 18 foot, you know, step backs that he doesn't crunch time all the time. And the guys where we want to have the ball, the type of offense that we want to run is going to be disrupted. And so I think that makes teams less likely to take a chance on a guy like that. And I think that also hurts his value. So, you know, look, Julius Randle didn't regress last year. I don't like it when people say that he didn't regress. Uh, regressing implies that he went back to the player that he was before he <laughs> won MIP. He was way worse. I mean, that was considering yeah. the context, the worst year of his career. Oh, for sure. Like, he was worse than he was his first year in New York, and he was certainly worse than he was that one year in New Orleans. And you're just there talking was, about basketball stuff. You're not even talking about the other stuff. I'm only talking about basketball stuff. Yeah. Like that one year in New Orleans, he had a 60% true shooting percentage. And, and part of it, I, I genuinely believe, is just basketball context. It's just like what you're talking about with Jalen Brunson, where it's like, Julius Randall could use some shooters around them too. Everyone could, everyone yep. who's be, anyone could use shooters, especially guys who are the best inside the three point arc. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, that's a big part of it as well, but I think their best play, even if they want to trade him even more than the, the most anti Julius Randall person on Nick's Twitter, you're, you're uh, you know, once it, I exactly, even if they want to trade him more than you do, I just I think the best play is is to bring him back and uh, you know kind of rehab his value. We have seen that kind of stuff happen with NBA teams. It's not For unheard sure. of. He comes back, he plays well, and all of a sudden somebody's like, "Hey, maybe I'll take Julius Randle." And remember, that was like kind of one of the propositions when they got him initially. It was, "Oh, Julius Randle can play well. 
and then maybe they can flip him yes. and, and they can get something good for him. And then he came out and he had such a great year in year two that they were like, he's too good. You know, there's no way now he's part of the future. And, and, and so they've just kind of been like up and down and up and down the Julius Randall roller coaster. <laughs> what a, what a roller coaster it has been. Um, I look, and to be clear, I agree with you that that is what they will probably do. I, I, again, I, putting my personal feelings about, what I think he's he's going to be like, and the risks at play—that's really what it is. It's the risks. If he if he comes out and he's like surly and like there's issues, you know, with the locker, like where, what do you do then? I agree with you. It's probably the smart thing to try to rehab his value. My my fear again, just from a basketball context, is if you're bringing in a guy like Jalen Brunson, who doesn't really want to stand out there, you're not paying him twenty five million dollars a year to stand behind a three three point line and and hit spot ups off of Julius Randle uh, kickouts. Could assign. Uh, Reggie Bullock for forty percent of the, that amount of money uh, for for that purpose. You're you're bringing in Brunson if you are indeed bringing him in to uh, to handle the ball and to like operate inside the arc. Which oh by the way is where Julius Randall likes to do business. Where R.J. Barrett likes to do business. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending, whether it's producing this show, hosting my own show, Final Review, preparing a proposal in Long Beach, doing my taxes, or whatever else. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar, Yukon mash, and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 and use promo code filmschool120 and get $120 off. That's code filmschool120 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 for $120 off. Good transition to the RJPs, which I want to get a little bit deeper on before we, before we get out of here. Um, how many executives did you talk to? I 20 what? Six, 16. 16. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I had 20 in my mind. Um, and you asked basically 16 people around the league what they would give RJ Barrett in an extension. And um, I believe you had, did you have one person say they would give him 30 a year? Right. One person said he would give him 30. And then one person said he would give him 15 would top out of 15. Yeah. And One then, other person, which I didn't include in the story, said like, I didn't check my notes, said like 17 or 18 also. Okay. And then I think you said half of them said four for 100, right? Four yeah. for 100. Half of yeah. them said either 25 a year or four for 100. So my, first of all, it's an amazing story. It's, it might be my favorite. It's not my favorite thing you've written because you've written some, your, your writing uh, is really stands out in other times when you're getting when you're getting feisty, this was more just like straight, amazing reporting. Um, what I want to key in on though, uh, is something that you did write that I really appreciated, uh, later on in, in the story, which is where you talked about how it's one thing to like correctly identify a player's value. Um, it's another thing, um, where you're actually like sitting across the table from them and you have to tell them like, we don't think that you are a max guy. And, you know, you mentioned that he's the third pick in, in the draft behind Zion and John Moran. And both of those guys are obviously going to get maxes. Like I, I, 
1000%. He is not as good as either of those guys put. Obviously, we have to put the Zion injury stuff aside, but like when Zion is healthy, he's not as good as either of those guys, not in those guys caliber. But in terms of like what he means to the, I think I want to say like what he means to the franchise right now and really what he means to this fan base. He has to know that. Right. And I, oh, yeah. if you, if you, he is, RJ is no dummy. No, he he's is, not. <laughs> and certainly his, his, his agents over representation are, are no dummies either. They, they are all fully aware of all of it. RJ, look, I, RJ comes out and speaks after every single game. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it sound like it's disingenuous because I, I, I really don't believe it's disingenuous at all. But I think he knows what he's doing as well. Like, oh, I think yeah. he I think he's fully conscious of the fact that, like, I can be the voice of the New York Knicks. And I think he has he has um, consciously chosen to do that. Like there were times after games last year when we would just because the way it works is the beat writers request players and they, they bring out the players. And there were, there were times where we wouldn't request RJ just because like we talked to RJ so much. Sometimes when fans say, you know, you beat writers, you ask the same questions after every game. Sometimes you guys are right. We do ask the same questions after every game, but cut us a little bit of a break with RJ because, because RJ, what he, what he's done, what he did at moments last year, we'd be like, we have nothing for RJ. Like we've asked him the same crap four days in a row. Like we have, we have nothing new for him. Uh, give him the night off, and he doesn't RJ give you much either. Which, which we RJ should say because he's so savvy. He's very savvy. But RJ will come out and he'll come out anyway, and he'll make some comment like, like he he in Detroit this year. He, we were like, nah, we don't, you know, we don't need RJ. He can come out. And RJ came out and he came to the podium and he sat down. And he looked at Berman. He said, Berman, I hear you don't want to talk to me today. <laughs> so great. he's. He, I think he he knows exactly what role that he has thrust himself into. I think he's, he's very, and I'm not saying, Oh, give him the max. He talks to the media that I'm not that guy. Uh, but what I'm saying is I, I think that's just one of many, many signs that he kind of wants to be the voice of a franchise. He has very enthusiastically taken it on in many, many ways. Uh, you know, the people there up and down the organization, people who worked with him, you know, throughout his whole life, talk about the work ethic, mm-hmm. the care level, uh, people in that locker room talk about it all the time. Uh, I, I, I believe that. And, and I think, you know, we've seen situations where organizations have uh, paid more than anticipated for first round picks who they draft. Uh, you know, an example that, that I like to use is actually Kemba Walker. Where Kemba did not get the max initially from Charlotte, uh, he got four years, forty-eight million. I believe I have to double check. I believe in each of Kemba's first three years, he shot worse than forty percent from the field. Oh, he shot dreadfully. Yeah, and dreadfully. Uh, yeah. and he couldn't shoot threes. By the way, it wasn't because he was just like taking a whole bunch of threes. Like he was shooting poorly from three. I, Kemba, I think the first year he shot league average was. I think the first year of his, his extension. I might I might be off by one year on that. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was not an, an efficient or effective player and the Hornets gave him four for 48 back in the old salary cap when four for 48 was like, like more than Steph got Steph got four for 44. And it was like the DeMar DeRozan number when DeMar was putting up big numbers and like four for 48 was like, 
that was like a, a really nice size contract. And they took some heat for giving Kemba four for 48 because he just, he had shown like spurts in his first three years, but he hadn't shown there. And I remember the Hornets justifying it. And I actually use this line in relation to potentially RJ in the story about how like they were betting on the person as much as they were betting on the player, because they were like, this guy is a beloved teammate is an, is a relentless worker. And he's just going to make himself better. And with these sorts of contracts, you're not paying for the production you got over the first three years. You're paying for the production you anticipate over the next five years. And it turned out that four for 48 ended up being a huge bargain Oh yeah. because Kemba's that, and then that contract expires and Kemba's a max player. That ended up being a great, extremely team-friendly contract. DeRozan too, um, you mentioned him. That was another one that turned into a nice contract. Mm-hmm, totally. And also... DeRozan, similar personality as well. Like, yes, really yes. beloved teammate, huge worker, all that kind of stuff. So, so like more, it's more than just the true shooting percentage that goes into that stuff. And, and I think this extension negotiation is going to be really interesting because the true shooting percentage is going to come up too. And, and that's, that's where a divide could, if a divide happens, that's where a divide potentially could. I, I'm a, and this is it's it's tough because on one hand I could start I could sit here and be like well he was he was I don't say predominantly a spot up threat but he he hit a lot of spot ups off of Julius Randle kickouts not this past year but the year before that and he hit those at a good clip especially after he got uh, past an early season shooting slump so it's like he's shown the ability to have off ball value especially when you consider I I think he'll keep progressing defensively so like that player is in there but as you just talked about that's uh, that's not the guy he wants to be. He wants to be, I think he loves being the face of the Knicks. I think he enjoys being the face of the Knicks. I think he's going to continue to try to be the face of the Knicks. I wonder because I'm, I'm not, I forget if you wrote this or, or it's been written somewhere else, but it's, it's definitely true that guys who don't get the max do not usually get these sorts of deals ironed out in the opening hours of free agency. They usually have to wait. And it usually comes down to the wire in whatever it is, September, or October. I wonder if we might, get an exception here. And I think it, it, again, I know nothing from anybody, any of these parties involved. I wonder if it isn't important to RJ to stay the most high, the highest paid player on the team. So if they wind up getting Brunson and Brunson gets, let's just say for argument's sake, four for, for one Oh four or something. You just mentioned before Randall four for one Oh six. I wonder if they wouldn't do four for one ten. you know, 20, what would that be? 27 and a half million. Right. Um, for RJ to get it out of the way early. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know how that would be taken around the league, but would would that shock you if that happened early? I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, would it shock me if RJ signing happened early? Yeah, yes, it would shock it would. you. Okay. I mean, part of the reason why the non-max guys don't happen really early is because there's just, there's no rush. And That's there's fair. just like, there's a rush in free agency. You know, it's like, you you can't miss out on Jalen Brunson because you were working on the RJ extension. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good. When call. the RJ extension yeah. deadline isn't until October, you know the RJ RJ is not going anywhere. He could be no. like, "Hey RJ, don't worry, we're talking about this, but we need to. We have we're so busy for these next two weeks. We'll talk in July, and then we'll take vacation. Then we'll figure it out in September and and October. You know, and that's that's kind of how a lot of these things go too. Like there's just a human element element of not having enough time in the day for these certain things. Um, with with RJ specifically, 
I don't really, I mean, there's a reason that I didn't give an opinion on where I think they're going to settle here or if they're going to settle. I, I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. I I think RJ will, I'm, I'm pretty confident RJ's people are going to go in and be like, he deserves the max. He averaged 20 points a game as a 21 year old. Almost everyone who averages 20 was, points a game as a 21 year old is going to turn into a really good player. You put the, you put a, a statistic in your piece and I was you know, ignore it at your own risk. Yeah. I mean, basically everyone turns into a really good player and the Knicks will say at a 51% true shooting percentage. And the, the stat I had in the piece was of the, of the 22 players in the league who took as many shots as RJ, RJ was 20th in efficiency. I mean, that's a, that's, he was a step below Russell Westbrook. Like that's yeah. not where you want to be. And the Knicks will say he's got all the potential in the world, but we just can't commit that much money to somebody who hasn't necessarily proven it all the way yet. Um, I think the one thing the Knicks could do if RJ is saying it's got to be the max or else I, I'm not really interested is, you know, RJ's cap holds in 2023, which is just the amount of money that will count against the Knicks salary cap is probably going to be $27 million. May, probably. You had a great note on that in what was it? At least it's, a couple weeks it's, ago. it's the nerdiest thing I've written. That was the, the that was my time. favorite thing I think you've ever <laughs> had in a piece. But it's probably going to be twenty seven million dollars, and and the Knicks will know in a couple of days at the latest if it is going to be twenty seven million, and his max is about thirty two to start. So if if the Knicks can say like if they want to be players in 2023 free agency potentially, or they just, they just value that extra cap room. I mean, that's $5 million a room. The Knicks could say, Hey, RJ, look, we want to pay you. We want to keep you. You're our franchise guy, but we value that 2023 cap room. It's a $5 million difference. Uh, Just wait until free agency come out. If you ball out this year, don't worry. You're getting the max, but we need that room that 27 to 32 is a big difference. Now that falls off the table if uh, his cap hold shoots up to thirty-two million, exactly his max, which is possible. Yeah. If a, if a weird salary cap quirk that I wrote about last week ends up ends up coming in at a at a different number, slightly different number than expected, when the league does its uh, you know financial calculations in like two days, so we'll see how that goes. We will. Um, two very quick ones, and then I'll get you out of here. One, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about uh, a player you used to cover very closely, John Wall, um, just signed in, in LA. We don't have to talk about it for, or is it reportedly going to sign in LA? We don't have to talk about it for very long. Would you? Would it shock you if John Wall was good next year? Like, not old John Wall, but like, you know, good John, pretty good? No. No. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. The, you, you know what's a crazy thing about John Wall? Have I said this? I don't remember if I've said this on this podcast. John Wall, his basketball IQ is insanity. And like people don't know that from just watching him. They think he's just kind of like reckless, high risk, all that. John is one of my favorite players I've ever covered to talk hoops with. He, he sees the game in an extraordinary way. It's amazing. I love talking X's nose with him. I've learned so much about basketball from talking to John Wall about basketball. And the thing with John is that when he makes these crazy decisions where it's like so-and-so is open in the corner on an important possession, he pulls out from mid-range. It's not because he doesn't see him. 
Yeah. John, John has this unbelievable recall that, that some, not all, but, but some great players also have that like LeBron has, where it's like, you can ask him about a play with six minutes and 39 seconds left in the second quarter of a game against the Pistons from January. And he'll be like, yes, here's what all 10 players on the court did on that play. And it's, it's extraordinary. Uh, and the reason that John makes many of the decisions that he does, I think is because more of like personality than because of, um, than because of like, he doesn't see it. I think if we start to see John, even if the athleticism is falling off because of the injuries and all that, like there's a world where John Wall's mind just drives him to being, it's not like he was terrible in Houston or anything when he, no, it wasn't. um, I think there's a world where John Mull's mind keeps him, he keeps him a legitimately good point guard for, uh, for a long while after, if he's able to stay on the court. So, I'm so rooting yeah, for him. I mean, I've, I've seen it. He is, he, that dude is a, he, he has, he's a sponge. Uh, he is, he knows so much about basketball and he loves basketball so much. He just sits around watching four games a night. Followed, knows every single high school recruit, boys and girls, can tell you every single WNBA team's pick and roll coverages, like every sing every single quirk that every NBA player has. Like he is obsessed with the game to a degree that you just don't realize until you start talking basketball with him. So, um, I'm sure enough, to play again. Yeah, me too. I'm sure enough he's gonna go do well in LA, and uh, it's gonna be all. Uh, the Knicks picked the wrong year to get the buyout uh, oft injured point guard uh, to, to add to their. Well, team. we'll see. I mean, look, John is like, God, I saw a stat on Twitter a little while back that since 2017, Dirk Nowitzki has played more games than John Wall. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Like, I don't know. He needs to get possible. out there. Um, all right. Last but not least, uh, give me, give me one prediction for free agency for the next couple weeks for between now and the beginning of the season, whatever, Ooh. anything, anything you want. One prediction. Yeah. Okay. Which of course we're going to hold you to. And it's the aggregate. This is where aggregators, this is where you want to, um, the aggregators are going to come for me. Yes. Um, okay. My, my, my one prediction, don't ask me how, but, but Obi Toppin is going to average more than 25 minutes a game this year. No. Oh! I have no idea how <laughs> I don't know if the Knicks are going to be like, you know what? Get rid of all the centers and Tibbs has got to play, got to play Obi Toppin and Julius Randle together. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I genuinely believe that the Knicks are like, we cannot draft this dude eight and just continue to play him 16 minutes again. Can I, I can really I just, think they're at that place organizationally. Can I just interject before I know Andrew wants to jump in. I had someone and again, I have, no idea if this is true, but I had, cause you know, people reach out to me and, and say things. Someone reached out to me like early, either late in the year. I think it was late in the year. Yeah. Or with maybe a month or two to go in the season. And they were like, Oh, if this, if Randall doesn't start getting time, his, his people are going to, his representation, which, you know, is a, a CAA. They're going to, they're going to ask to to have, you know, for him to be traded. You know, they're going to, they're going to start putting pressure on the organization to find a new home for him. Like, I again, no idea if this is true, but like, I don't know. Hasn't he earned a shot? Feels like he's earned a shot, a real shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't. I mean, I, I know intellectually why it's because Tibbs wants a rim protector on the floor and yeah. Obi and Julius Randall is not a rim protector, but it's like, we don't have to be so regressive about this. 
This is not like baseball where you have two catchers who are really good. This is not the 61 Yankees where they're like, put Barra in left field so we can get Elston Hour behind the plate. But now you're going to get Blanchard into the lineup then. Like, this is not that. No, this it is, is not. This is not that you can play them together. Like, you can do it. You can make it happen if you want it to happen enough. I feel like in, I feel like Tim Robbins right now. Or, or whoever the inspirational speaker is. That's the that's the actor. No, anything's possible. I don't know. Robbins, whatever. Something wrong. He's <laughs> I mean Tony Robbins? Tony, Tony Robbins. Robbins. Yes. There we go. Shout out like Tony Reli- Robbins. Shout out religious Tony background. Rob- yes. Tony uh, Robbins, who really wants Obi Toppin to play 25 minutes a game. No, it's just you can't draft a guy number eight and then watch him be good. Yeah. And then continue to play him 16 minutes a game no. in year three when, you know, I think, I think we know Obi Toppin is a, is a good rotation player. I think, I think we know that, Yeah, but I don't think we can definitively say how good, like, like we don't know. We just don't know. We haven't seen enough and you have to know when you draft a guy eight and, and you know, he's good. You you have to find out how good you can't be sitting there after year three wondering, we still don't know how good Obi Toppin is because next year he's extension eligible. Andrew, this is the moment we're going to look back on because Fred said it. It's not because I said said it. it. Fred said it. This it's going to come true. Did you mean Obi, by the way, in the the report, not report, but the story you just told as far as his. What did I say? You said Randall's representation. Oh, I meant Obi. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Randall's representation runs the Knicks. So no, no, no. no. uh, He got all the playing time because his representation said so. This is a back and forth that John and I have had since last summer, Fred, before you were even like working, covering the Knicks. And he thinks that Tibbs will play them together. I said, no, then you came and brought up that Tibbs has religion in rim protection. And I was like, see, and now you're even saying that they're going to figure out a way. And now I I have no idea what leg I have to stand on with this. Sometimes you just like, look, Andrew, you're, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. But you asked me for a prediction. I, it, no, don't, it, don't back down now. No, it's just they just have to figure out a way. And I think they know that they have to figure out a way. I think they know that at some point, somebody has to make some concession. Because when you have a good basketball player, and it's not like Obi Toppin is some good basketball player because he's good because he plays for himself. Like, he... He plays crazy hard. He runs the floor. He controls the pace of the game without the ball, which is extremely rare for an off-ball forward. Yep. He he is a great cutter. He's a great screener. Like in in another world, like in another environment, there we could see him becoming like a coach's pet, you know? Where it's like, oh yeah, he's obsessed with Toppin just because all he does is cut, run, and screen, and 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 throw down lobs and affect the game in ways that the stat sheet doesn't really show. It's like you know you could you could see him becoming like a coach's pet and like oh god he's playing Toppin thirty six minutes again. My goodness, he doesn't even space the floor, you know. And mm-hmm. so and so it's funny that we've gotten to this place with Obi, but like he's, he's good. Like he does good basketball things and he plays winning basketball. <laughs> he does like, do good basketball things. I want to be put guys who do good basketball to things on your team. I want to be clear. Julius Randall. I, well, <laughs> I want to be clear. I think they should find 
time we, we for, know. for Obi Toppin. It's I simply know. the cynicism in me. Like, this is also the difference between Fred and I. John, I don't know if you caught that, that he goes back to the 61 Yankees for his <laughs> analogy of two great players or good players that play the same position that, you know, need to find time for both of them. And I go back to 2012 when Lucas Duda and Ike Davis both played first base. So I remember that, that solution was put Lucas Duda in right field. And the craziest part, the craziest part, Fred, Lucas Duda, nine innings in right field during the first ever Mets no hitter. Most improbable <laughs> the thing. Santana game. Yes, the, the Santana, Santana game. game. He's in right field yeah. for nine innings. Well, like I could have gone back to like uh, and he's there. You know, I could have gone back to like the 06 Yankees when when their whole outfield got hurt and they traded uh-huh. for Bobby Abreu and they had to play Gary Sheffield at first base. At first base, in the I, remember playoffs. Playoffs. Yep. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Giambi's sitting right there, but he's DHing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, for some reason, we got to put where can we put Gary Sheffield? Oh, the DH exists. That's when A Rod bat eighth, right? In the playoffs. Yes. That was, yeah, that was the Detroit series. against the Tigers. Yeah. 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 And then they he came anyway. out the next year and had the best single season potentially in Yankee history, not named Babe Ruth. You know? um, mm-hmm. what was Until Aaron say? Judge. Until yeah. Aaron Judge. How I had, you had to sneak that in there. How are you feeling, by the way? I'm feeling fantastic. I figured. I figured. Just. That Aaron Judge, one of the most genuinely one of the most badass things in New York sports in a long time. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge being like 210 million, not for me. And then coming out and maybe becoming the first non blatantly steroid guy to hit more than 61 home runs. Mm-hmm. Like he is on a pace to do that now in a contract year after turning down a $210 million extension and maybe winning the MVP and, and the Yankees pacing to break the wins record, just, just genuinely one of the, the, the most correct bet on yourself situations Mm. in, in recent New York sports history, maybe number one, what a season he's Um, he's unreal. Yeah. I'm just thinking about, can we make Obi top in a DH? I think that's the, I think that's, <laughs> can the yeah. Knicks, I think in this sense, you'd want, it will be on the field. It's Randall. You'd want DHing in this sense. No, I'd like, I'd like to make Julius Randall, the bullpen coach. The, uh, uh, okay. Gotcha. So that's how you, that's, that's how then the NBA institutes DH. Obi just plays offense. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, Fred, this was, this was fun. Uh, we're going to have, it's going to be a fun next several days. I'm sure. We'll we'll talk at some point again after the dust settles. But in the meantime, uh, can you remind the folks at home, as you always do, uh, where they could find you and your stuff and, and let them know anything else about what do you got cooking? Yes, you can uh, check out my stuff on The Athletic. If you're on Twitter, you can follow me at Fred Katz. And uh, yeah, just check that stuff out. I'm going to have a free agency preview out on Wednesday. And, uh, and I'll have... Who knows what's going to follow after that? It all depends on what the Knicks do, but I'm going to have a lot to follow after that, I'm sure, because they'll either get or won't get Jalen Brunson and things will be written. And I'm sure they'll do some other stuff as well because they're, they're, they're going to have some space. They're going to make some moves and, and we'll see. So I'll have all that covered. So if you want full analysis of what promises to be an eventful couple of days, with the Knicks and maybe, maybe even longer than that. Um, follow, follow Fred Katz, first of all, but also uh, subscribe to the athletic. I've, I've seen a bunch of the, you always got the $1 a month specials running. It's like every Dude, time I'm I like, up, 
look, I might get fired for saying this, but we are like the Joseph A. Bank of sports journalism companies. Just buy one article, get two pairs of underwear free. That's take advantage. Take advantage. Oh yeah. It's a great deal. All righty. That was Fred Katz of The Athletic. Thank you, as always, Fred, for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, they're currently running a promotion. $1 a month lets you sign up for all of the content and all of the journalism and research and well-written articles that they provide. Um, plenty of like non-sports stuff as well, if you're interested, although I guess it's technically The Athletic, so everything has a hint of sports, but some WNBA stuff that I've found fascinating over the past couple of days that I've been reading. Um, obviously, some baseball stuff that I pay attention to. Shout out to Fred for also being a baseball fan that is also paying attention to all of this Nick stuff. We will be back um, tomorrow night with a... Uh, pod slash live stream from Jeremy, who is doing capitals, everything around me. Cream, another edition at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're a Knicks Film School, school Patreon, patron, let me restart that. I'm going to leave all this in so you hear what it's like when you mess up on an outro. If you are a Knicks Film School patron or want to become a Knicks Film School patron in the, Mon- if the, in the Monroe or the Ewing tier, that's either $15 or $33 a month, we will be doing our town hall tomorrow night. So you're going to jump on on Zoom and talk everything free agency the night before free agency. Um, the link is in the uh, description of all of our YouTube videos as well as in the bio, bio of our Twitter feed. Um, or just go to Patreon and search for Nick's Film School and sign up tomorrow or I guess sign up today when you're hearing this. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you dig the show, head on over to iTunes drop a five-star rating and a review. One more sleep until free agency. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening and we'll speak with you soon. Peace.